0: Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant, Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 2, Episode 32, Greater Love. Last week we talked about greater works and about how Jesus said that because of and through the Holy Spirit, we would do all of the works that he did and greater works than these. So I kind of decided that at least for this week, I would stick on the theme of greater. Now, It's a little bit tricky because, as we're going to see, when we're talking about greater love, the way Jesus phrased it was no greater love. So last week we were talking about kind of taking the ball and running with it and doing things not exactly as Jesus did them, but doing things in the way that they fit into our lives and our situations. Where in this this week, we're going to talk about how it's kind of like how faith, hope, and love are three great things, but the greatest of them is love, right? There's nothing greater than love in this world. God is love. God is all-powerful. That means love is all-powerful. And that doesn't mean most powerful. That means love, or God, has all of the power. Nothing else has any power. So it's very important to understand that when we're talking about a greater love, I used that kind of as a uh, you know as a title to, to relate to last week, but really we're talking about the greatest love. In John fifteen, thirteen, Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the greatest love you can have. It's a sacrificial love, an agape love. It's a love that gives without expecting anything in return, which also is, you know, my personal definition of love is I will gladly spend everything I have and everything I am Even though it seems like the more I love you, the less you love me. And I think that last part is very, very important because love is never about getting. Because love is giving. If you're loving someone in order to get something from them, you're not really loving them. You're trying to trick them or manipulate them or whatever the case may be. But love is never, ever concerned with getting anything from anybody. And I think that's where we get it twisted a lot of times. Like... I'm kind of obsessed with love, and I have been for a long time, because it's so, so important. You literally cannot live without it. No love, N-O, means no life. But if you know love, K-N-O-W, then you know life. They're not just connected. They're the same thing. When Jesus came that we might have life and have it more, more abundantly, the thing that makes life more abundant is love. So it's very, very important. It's vitally important to this life, to this human existence, to doing more than just surviving or struggling through or making it by the skin of our teeth. If you have a life that's full of love, you have a life that's worth living. And if you have a life that's worth, that's full of love, not only is your life worth living, but it's possible to live your life because only by loving can we truly live. So that's why Jesus focused on it. And that's why I'm focused on it. And that's why I think it's important to know the greatest love that you can have, because there's all different kinds of love. Even when Jesus was talking to Peter after, you know, after Peter denied Jesus three times and uh, before Jesus's death. And then after Jesus died and was buried and rose again, he talked to Peter, you know, about love and He asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I've heard that preached that the reason that Jesus asked Peter three different times, Do you love me? is so that Peter could kind of uh, redeem himself from the three times that he had denied Jesus. And that's fine. That's good. I think that's a good interpretation. That makes sense. That tracks. That lines up for me. But also, as almost always, there's a deeper meaning to it. Because if you look up the definitions of the word, Love that Jesus used. He used different, three different versions of the word love. Because love has a lot of different meanings. Love people love in a lot of different ways, and people receive love in a lot of different ways. You know, even even the the very popular, you know, uh, five love languages. So we need to understand love so we can use it correctly. And by use it correctly, I mean give that's what love is. Love is giving. Again, Jesus said there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He wasn't talking about getting anything. He was talking about giving everything he was and everything he had. And you know what? He went to the cross and he did just that. He put his money where his mouth is. But I want to back up and I want to read this in context and I'm going to read most of the whole, well not most, yeah, most of the whole chapter in John chapter 15. I wanna read John 15, verse one through 17. And it's kind of a familiar passage to, uh, to quote unquote religious folk, but I think it really illustrates what we're talking about here. So John chapter 15, starting with verse one, it reads, this is Jesus talking, this is all the red letters. It says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. This is so important for us to grasp. Everything we have and everything we do flows from our Heavenly Father, right? The father of lights and all good and perfect gifts flow down from him. He's the father of lights because we are the light of the world and he is our father. So we have to understand where this love comes from, where this power comes from, where the source of our life comes from. It's God. God is love. God is life. God is light. So this is to me, this is super, super important. And I'm not even getting into the pruning and the uh, the cutting off. I'll do that another time. But just suffice it to say that, in my opinion, those branches that he cuts off that don't produce fruit, those are not people. Those are things in our life that don't produce fruit. And the things that he prunes are the things in our lives that do produce fruit. So its I don't think this is God saying, you're you're a bad person, I'm cutting you off. I think he's saying, you don't need this in your life, so I'm going to cut it out and get rid of it. But again, we'll we'll get into that later sometime. So moving on to verse five, Jesus says, "'Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. And I'm not going to ignore this part because he says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But I do want to say that the fire that these branches get burned in, it's not hell, it's God. God is a consuming fire. And, and when he consumes you, when you're totally consumed by God, when you're totally consumed by his love, you don't get hurt. You get purified. That's what fire does to gold. It purifies it. So just because you're not with it right now doesn't mean you can't ever be. It doesn't mean you can't be redeemed. God's whole mission was to redeem humanity and to bring us back to where we should have been all along. He doesn't give up on people. Love will never leave you nor forsake you. So, you know, again, we'll talk about it later. I'm going to keep going. I got a lot to say about what I want to say today. So verse nine says, I have loved you, even as the father has loved me, remain in my love. And that is so important that we remain in his love, that we focus on his love, that we receive and release his love, that we believe in his love. Remember, we talked about how faith works by love. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, which is Jesus, which is love. That's where our faith comes from. And that's what we put our faith into. Jesus took away the sin of the world, the unbelief of the world, by giving us something, someone, himself, to believe in. So that's what activates our faith. It's God being faithful. It's Him showing us how much He loves us, and then us just simply receiving and releasing that love. Simply fighting the good fight of faith, which means to take hold of the gift that we've already been given. We're not earning anything. We're simply using what we've already been given. So he says again in verse nine, I've loved you, even as my father has loved me. Even Jesus's love flowed from the father, it flowed from the source. And it gets tricky because he is, you know, he is the source three in one. They're they're all the same. Okay, keep going. He says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. There's so much here. The fact that we're no longer slaves, listen, if you're a sinner saved by grace, that means you're not a sinner anymore. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. We have to embrace our new, true identity. We have to stop trying to be someone we're not by knowing who we are. Ugh, it's frustrating to me when I see people, well, I'm already going to hell, so it doesn't matter what I do. Ay yeah, why did Jesus die and rise again? He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took away the sin of the world. He put us in a position where we don't have to think like that anymore. We don't have to have a sin consciousness anymore. We don't have to struggle with sin anymore. We can simply embrace our true selves, which is who we are in Christ, which is who Christ is in us, and we can stop trying to be somebody we're not in order to get something we think we haven't got, because we know that we have what we need. We have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ. Guys, we have it all. We don't need anything from God. We're always waiting for God to move when he already moved, and now he's waiting for us to move. That's kind of what I was trying to say last week when we talked about greater works. But again, you know, I want to, it's hard for me sometimes, but I want to stay on topic about greater love, the greatest love, doing the best thing that you can do. I believe that loving people is the only holy thing that you can do. I believe that loving people is the only righteous thing that you can do. We talk about all these things kind of in the abstract, like, well, going to church is holy. Yeah, it can be, but not in and of itself. My pastor told me a long, long time ago, people go to church for a lot of different reasons. Not everybody's there for the same reason that you're there. Okay. So we need to understand that doing one specific thing it's like you know. It's like Paul wrote, I believe, in 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 Corinthians when he wrote about you know, uh, if if I can if I have, if I have a smooth tongue and I'm a good talker, but there's no love in it, it's just clashing symbols and making noise. Like whatever you do, if there's no love in it, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's not as real as it could be. The greater love, or the greatest love, is to lay your life down for your friends, to give everything you have and everything you are. And Jesus even touched on this uh, a few chapters earlier in John chapter 10, verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So this was always on Jesus' mind and it was always on his heart. This kind of sacrificial love of laying your life down, that's kind of how Jesus defined himself. And again, he said, you know, uh, this is my commandment, love each other. He said, the new commandment that I have is that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, the greatest love you can have is to lay your life down for your friends. And then he went to the cross and literally laid his life down. He didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us what to do, and he showed us how to do it. And I'm not saying that you have to literally listen. There are people in my life that I would literally lay my life down for. If a car was coming and At my child, and I had a chance to save him by sacrificing myself to that car, I would do it without thinking about it. I would do it just that's what my love for him is. I would, and there's, you know, there's a few people in my life that I would literally do that for. I would lay my life down for them. But I think there's another way to look at this where the Bible talks about, you know, esteeming others higher than ourselves and talks about how, spiritually speaking, the last will be first and the first will be last. It's not always physically dying in order to prove your love for somebody, but it's laying your life down, giving your life for your friends, sacrificing your life, esteeming others higher than yourselves, putting others first, giving what you have to others. I don't think anybody ever went broke by being generous. And if that's true, I'll probably find out because I try to be as generous as I can. I can't think of much... really anything in my life that I wouldn't give away if somebody absolutely positively needed it. Like, and I know you have to take care of business. and I know you need the things that you need to get through life. And I know all of these, like, like life is what it is. And you have to strike a balance and you can't, you know, the, the, when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and the guy said, Oh, I followed all these commandments and Jesus didn't correct him. So, you know, maybe he did and maybe he didn't, maybe he just thought he did. I don't know. But Jesus said, okay, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And that was the guy's line. He was like I can't do that. Well, I think I don't think God has a problem with us having stuff, but I think God does have a problem with stuff having us. If you have something in your life that you can't get rid of, maybe that's a problem that you need to address in your life. But the point is is that's one way that you can lay down your life for your friends. You can give what you need out of what you have. And I'm a big believer in living out of your abundance. I'm a big believer in if you have two coats and somebody is cold, give them one. I don't think you necessarily have to cut your arm off to give someone a hand. But if God lays something on your heart, even if it doesn't make sense, just do it, man, because it's going to work out for the best. He knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's up to. He knows what's best for you. He knows the end from the beginning. It's like Jonah, man, if we stop fighting God so much and just kind of go with the flow, I think we'll save ourselves a lot of time and a lot of trouble. But that's that that's a simple thing, but it can be a hard thing. And I get that. I, I, you know, I can see that sometimes it's hard, especially when we think, you know, this guy doesn't deserve my effort. This guy doesn't deserve my love. This guy doesn't deserve me laying myself down for him. Well, deserve has nothing to do with it. But let's move on because I have a couple more passages I want to read. And the first one is in Romans chapter 5. I want to read verses 6 through 8. And this is kind of what I was talking about, about the effort thing. About, you know, sometimes, well, does that guy deserve my love? Let's see what Paul has to say about it in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Think about that for a second. We had nothing to offer God. We had nothing that he wanted. We had nothing that he needed. God said in another place, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I own the cattle on a hundred hills. God doesn't need anything from us, right? When God includes us in his plan, that's not because his plan isn't going to work without us. His plan's going to work if he wants it to work. That's because he wants to include us in it and he wants us to gain the benefits from it or he wants us to learn something from it or he wants us, you know, to, 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 to be a part of it and learn and grow and get through it with him. God's not, you know, even even when Moses tried as hard as he could to get out of what God wanted him to do, God was like, listen, buddy, I'm including you in this. We're doing this with you, through you. If you say you can't talk, which it seemed to me that Moses was a pretty good talker when you read, when you read those stories. He said, if you say you can't talk and you're a stutterer, I'm going to give you someone who can talk. I'll give you Aaron. I'm not letting you out of this. I want you involved. I want you here. I want you in this. And if, if it wasn't Moses, God could have easily raised up somebody else. But he didn't want to. He chose who he chose. Remember Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I chose you. I think that's big too, because I think a lot of times we think we're clinging on to God as hard as we can, when the truth of the matter is, is he's holding on to us and he won't let us go. So we don't have to worry about whether or not our strength is sufficient, because we know that his strength is sufficient. So it says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's the greatest love you can have. It's dying for somebody who can't do anything for you. It's dying for somebody just simply because you love them, laying your life down, giving somebody everything you have and everything you are, not not even in the hopes of getting anything back. You don't hope you'll get anything back. You know that you're doing this for them and not for you. And I tell that to people all the time. I tell that to my kid all the time. I'll either say to him, buddy, this isn't for you. Or I'm like, you know, Not everything's about you. Like, we need to realize the point that we're we're in relationships with other people, and not everything's about us. And when you're loving somebody, it's not about what you get from it. It's about what you give because of it. That's what the greatest love is. It's giving without the thought of getting. So let's read one more passage. I want to move quickly because, you know, I'm trying to uh, keep our time down. Do the old gorilla gospel, the old hit and run. I want to give you something to chew on, but not to choke on something, hopefully that's practical that can help us get from the start of the day to the end of the day. And, and to me, the thing that helps me do that the most is focusing on love. Like if, 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 if it's a work day and I have to go to work. Okay. So who can I love at work? How can I show love at work? And sometimes I have more opportunities than other, but you know, for me personally, the way I work, I just take it as it comes. I don't need to find some, I don't need to, oh, who am I gonna love? I'm gonna go find somebody to love. But if somebody comes across my path, I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna give them what I got. I'm gonna, if, if I see a need and I can meet that need, I'm gonna do it. To me, that's how I lay my life down for my friends. It's not thinking about what I can get from people, but it's thinking about what I can give to people, what I can do for people. And again, just whoever comes across my path, just whatever I see, a nice word for somebody, you know, my, my boss came back from vacation the other day and I asked her, how was your vacation? And she kind of stepped back a little bit. And she was like, oh, thank you so much for asking. That was nice. And I was like, well, it's not a big deal. But, you know, to her, it was a big deal. We don't always understand the effect that we have on people's lives just by the smallest little things we do. If if I'm chewing gum and I have a couple pieces and I see someone and I offer them some gum, you know, that's not a big deal. But maybe it is a big deal. Just doing random acts of kindness just seeing a need and meeting it just, you know, and, and, and I would rather have people say Tom's a nice guy than I would rather have people than, than for people to say, oh yeah, Tom's a pastor, but you know, he's kind of judgmental. He's kind of hypocritical. I would rather them not know my religious affiliations and just know that I'm a nice guy, but we'll get to that at the end. First, I want to read first John chapter three verses 11 through 19. And the, uh, the heading in, in my Bible for this one says, love one another. So 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 11, says, This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. That's important, too. Because if you're doing the right thing, you can hold your head up high and you can not care about what the world thinks about it. If you're doing the right thing, do the right thing and don't worry about it. Like my personal definition of love says, I'm going to love you no matter what, even if it seems like the more I love you, the less you love me. I'm not concerned with what I'm getting out of it. I'm simply concerned with what I have and what I'm doing with what I have. I'm simply concerned with giving what I have, receiving it and releasing it, receiving it By releasing it, releasing it by receiving it. So it says down in uh, verse 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. To me, that's so important. I built so much of my quote-unquote theology on that. The difference between death and life is love. Again, no love, no life. But if you know love, He will know life because life and love aren't just connected. They're the same thing. So it says, let me read that again in verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. It's all about love. And no greater love can you have than to lay down your life for your friends. If you see somebody, and and I think it's James who talks about this. He's like, if you see a brother who is hungry or tired and you say, all right, I'll pray for you. I hope you find some food and get some good sleep. You're not really showing them love. You're not really helping them. You're not really doing anything for them. And listen, sometimes all you can do for somebody is pray. I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying you can fix every problem. I'm not saying you can meet every need. But I'm saying if you see somebody in your life that you can help and you're like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then send them on their way when you could have done more for them. That's not really love to me. That's Or, or, or maybe that's a more incomplete love. That's not the greatest love that you can have for them. Which, you know, again, Jesus' commandment, love one another as I have loved you. He laid his life down for us. We ought to lay our lives down for each other. To me, it's that simple. And again, I'm saying simple, I'm not saying easy. It's not always easy to love people. Sometimes we get all caught up in whether or not they deserve it. Sometimes we get all caught up in what they've done or haven't done for us, but none of those things really matter. What matters is what God has done for us and what we can do because of what God has done for us. So we just receive and release the gift that he's given us. We just let out what he has put into us. It's the vine and the branches. And the cool thing about the branches is that the branches are the things that reach out and bear that fruit. The branches are what people look to when they want to see if a tree has good fruit. So if you're the branch that Jesus has produced love on or into, then when people get that from you, they're really getting it from him. And that's the cool thing about God is I've had so many conversations with people about God, and they didn't even know we were talking about God because we were talking about love or we were talking about what was going on in their lives. And I was showing them love. It doesn't always have to be Bible verses. It doesn't always have to be, you know, shoving Jesus down people's throats, because if you do that, they'll just choke on him and they'll throw up and, and they won't want anything to do with it. It won't be a good experience for anybody involved. So instead of doing that, you know, just take people where they're at, just meet them where they're at and just love them where they're at. And sometimes that means just do a little bit. You don't have to overwhelm people with your love. You don't have to, you know, drown them with it or bury them in it. Sometimes, like I said, you know, I I always go back to my cookie story. Sometimes if somebody's hungry and you have a little something to eat, just give them a little something to eat. It's that simple. And then you've made a profound impact on their life. and, And you know what? You may not even know what a big impact you made. Sometimes it seems like people are super ungrateful, but that doesn't mean that they are. Sometimes people don't know what to do with that sort of love or with that sort of uh, unexpected niceness or, or whatever the case may be. Sometimes people are, they are so used to, to uh, crap that it's hard for them to accept the good. But that doesn't mean it didn't make an impression on them or an impact on them. So just love people. And that's where I want to end today with John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus said, Your love for one another will prove to the world That you are my disciples. Again, to me, the whole thing is instead of proving that you're Jesus' disciple by screaming from the mountaintops, I'm Jesus' disciple, I go to church on Sunday, I'm holy, I'm righteous. Instead of doing that, just love people and then they'll know. And even if they don't know, it's okay. You don't have to defend God, God will defend you, right? You don't have to prove to people, oh, I'm loving you because I'm a Christian. Just love people. Just let them Like I said, I would rather have people say that I'm nice than to have people say that I'm a Christian. I would rather have people say I'm nice than have people say I'm a pastor. I just, you know, I, I think we need more nice people in the world. I think if you can make somebody smile, you should do that because the world needs more than that. So just when we're talking about love, and we're talking about no greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. To me, the, 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 the best, most practical, simplest way to do that is to see a need and meet it, to put others first, to give out of your abundance, to give what you've got, to share what you've got, just to be a nice person. Just be kind. Just, you know, don't worry about whether somebody deserves it or doesn't deserve it. Just give what you've got to whoever comes into your path and then you'll be fine. You'll be safe. You'll be happy. I've never loved somebody and not been happy because of that love. It doesn't always work out the way I want it to, but it always works out the way it's supposed to, because God is love and God never fails. Love never fails. So that's about our time for this week. Uh, I just want to thank you guys as always for all the support, helping me get the word out there, word without walls. And of course we will, uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, JesusRant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think. People should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, If you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And, uh, thank you once again, as always for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.